Writers have more stories to tell than those that are written on a page. Join me as I talk about my life, loves and inspiration behind my work so far and maybe even a sneak peek into stories yet to come. Hi, I'm Chris Tetrault-Blay and this is Dead Men Talk. So welcome back, everyone, to a very long overdue new episode of Dead Men Talk. I've been on something of a little bit of a break. Um, this is the first episode, first new episode since just before Christmas. So a little bit of change of scenery. I was then talking about my Christmas book back then, and now I am in like 35 degree heat at eight o'clock at night. So welcome to the British summertime. Um, I've, I'm honoured to be joined by uh, not only another writer tonight, um, another Devon writer, and I would say probably one of the most respected, well-respected writers in the Southwest. Um, I've really been looking forward to speaking to uh, Claire Helen Welsh. So welcome to Dead Men Talk. Thank, Thank you, so you very much, Chris. Thank you for inviting me to have you to have me on. And no. yeah, what an honour, what an introduction. Thank, Thank you. you. No, no, I would say I've been, I've been not, I've been following you for a little while, not in a literal sense, obviously, because that'll open up a whole other, whole other set of problems. Um, but on Facebook, and I mean, just generally in the De- in the particularly the Devon writing community, you know, your name has has been, you know, thrown around in the in the most respectful sense of the word. Um, so much because of what you've done and I know your own story as well is very inspiring as well as the books that you've written so I really really we probably won't cover everything that you've done in this episode but it's really just to just to be able to talk to you and and sort of get inside your mind and find out and and let the the viewers and the listeners know more about you so I guess the most perfect way to start is at the beginning so um, how did you get into writing or when was it that you decided that's what you wanted to do? I decided on the, the probably 1st of January 2013, so, you know, a bit of a cliche, but it was a New Year's resolution, um, although we didn't really call them resolutions. My friend and I write a list of things to try that year, so almost mm-hmm. like a bucket list, um, and I've said before that, you know, there are some things that we do once and never again, you know, like, yeah. I don't know, kayaking, ski, so I don't know, so some things don't stick, um, but one year I had to write uh, a children's book on there, and um, I just really got the bug for writing. I mean, I, I was really motivated to write stories for my children. So they were young-ish then. Um, so they were a big part of it. I wanted them to love books. I wanted, I wanted my children to enjoy reading. Um, and also I was a primary school teacher then and I taught in early years and I was always using stories to sort of lead into meaningful activities for children. So yeah. acting out the tiger that came to tea and hosting a, a cafe and people buying things from shops like I was always up for dressing up um, and using stories to make uh, yeah make a meaningful learning experience so I think those two things were going on at the same time and yeah I just think it really I think now looking back it plays although it was sort of an accidental discovery it plays to my strengths because I I love words and yeah yeah, and and getting that satisfying order when they sound really good you know (laughs) and I'd like the editing part of writing and I also like being creative and and I was also doing all this work in school and sort of yeah. using stories in meaningful ways. Brilliant. So do you do you think it was it was always in you or was it sort of your your role as a teacher which sort of propelled you towards children's books? 
I think it was a teaching. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I don't, because I wasn't a huge reader as a child. I remember certain books being read to me, which I loved, sort of mm. like the Albergs were big favourites. Yeah. Um, the Little Miss, Little Miss and Mr. Mem books my nan used to read. Um, and then she used, also gave me things like Famous Five and Secret Seven books. But I can't honestly say I was a bookworm. No. And I know, especially when I was teaching, I didn't have time for reading. I know I never made the time for reading because I was knackered at the end of the day, <laughs> you know, or doing paperwork things. Yeah. So I don't think if it, if it wasn't for sort of finding my feet in an early years setting and seeing yeah. how great stories can be for kids and, and the reaction you get from an audience when you read a really good one. Yeah. I don't know if I would have, I wouldn't know if I would have done it. I'm not sure. Yeah. Interesting question. Cool. So what was your, uh, uh, from that point that you, you started off in 2013, this, this sort of goal of yours to write, what do you, do you remember what your earliest writing was back then that you sort of came up with? Yeah. I wrote a story about both my children. It was written in rhyme about uh, Wally Wooska, which was a made up, a creature lived at the bottom of the garden based on my husband's childhood imaginary friend right. <laughs> or not imaginary if you're him <laughs> um yeah and I mean I have looked back at previous drafts and actually when I I sort of run a, a picture book course now and I get one of my first drafts of my ever stories out to Ooh. share with people okay. just to show you to show them how far you can come with you know I, I feel like writing is a skill and you can learn mm. it and you can improve it if you've got you know the right attitude yeah. and you're motivated so, I mean, it's terrible. It, the rhyme is all over the place. There's no scansion at all. Huge issues with it. But I, th I think it is quite nice to look back, for me, as much as anything, to see, you know, how far you've come. And, yeah, that was my first story. Awesome. So how long was it then? Uh, were you quite prolific at the beginning? Did the ideas just keep coming to you? Or did you really have to sort of discipline yourself to, to start writing? I didn't really get it at the beginning I spent a long time working on the first story thinking that this was the one um you know so I, I had a critique group and I probably sent the same story back two or three times yeah um and then I would write another one which was called grandma's great beans and again I, I sent that one back several times so I spent a lot of time working on the same text which was helpful in terms of sort of helping me learn what a good picture book needs and it wasn't not useful because I'm you know but I've, I've come to realize that picture books are all about the concept and um if your concept isn't right there's almost no point polishing yeah. and honing every word and every page turn because ultimately the concept isn't big enough to go the distance sure so I have yeah nowadays I do less of the polishing and I do I just write lots and lots and lots of ideas, as many as I can, you know, yeah. and I have critique groups that are helpful for deadlines for that. So I know I'm submitting a certain number okay. a year because I, yeah. I like to submit every time our yeah. groups meet um, and just try and do something. Yeah, lots of different things because you never know which idea is going to be the one to take off. Yeah. So, and yeah. On, I, on the, I was just going to say on that note, actually, that's going to lead into my next question is what, what was the point that you uh, you feel it? you start to become either successful or start to to take it more seriously that uh, that you had something really popular on your hands i remember being sat in my living room and feeling really discouraged and saying to my husband is it ever going to happen to me you know is, is, is this is it worth it or not and it was yeah. probably was about two years maybe two and a half years down the line and just feeling a little bit discouraged um and then i entered a story into a um 
a prize and if you if you if you'd come first you would have got an agent and I came second okay and I think that was a big turning point for me because I thought someone's seen something in my writing out of however many hundred people sent their stories in yeah. mine got noticed so there must be yeah. something good about it Absolutely. that was a really good sort of spur on um and same with a scholarship that I entered so I'm part of a group of writers, which is called the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators. So it's SCBWI is the acronym. Yeah. And I, I wanted to go to this conference that everyone always talks about and it's sort of inspiring keynote speakers and you get one-to-ones and people read your work and you get actual feedback. Yeah. Um, and you get to connect with people that you've met online, which I thought would be nice, but it was quite expensive at the time. And this really was just a hobby and I couldn't justify the money no. with a young family. So I entered this scholarship and, and got the scholarship. Awesome. So again, that was really encouraging because I thought, you know, you know, something must be working for people yeah. to pick up the text. And yeah, yeah right. it sort of built from there, really. I don't know about the success question because... It's all quite subjective, isn't it? I suppose yeah. you can kind of, you know, what you feel is a success to yourself. Um, or you may be expected more and then other people out there may look at you and think, you know, you even having one book out there is um is something I, I know i get that a lot i i feel like i, I i'm reaching for great heights and I, I haven't really come close to them but other people look at me and as soon as they know that i've written anything they're really impressed mm-hmm. which is nice yeah um, and the goalposts do always change don't they? Yeah. so your goalposts might be to have a book published so definitely when i sat there in my my lounge going is it ever going to happen <laughs> i just want to see my book on the shelf you know that was definitely what i would have told them was my success so one book yeah. to share with my kids that I've made that someone's going to bring to life with illustrations yeah. that would be successful and then when you get there you just you know naturally you want more like you want to yeah. do it again and then you know you just want to be able to repeat it and I guess at the moment my idea of success is just to be able to continue doing this as much as long as possible because I just yeah. love I love making books I love meeting people sharing books with readers going into schools so I'm just trying to enjoy the mo- rather than being published um, focused on the actual number of deals and book deals just enjoy mm. it for what it is because yeah. publishing a lot of publishing is out of con- your control really you know I can't say who's taking on how many books of mine or not so what I can control is then you know how I feel about what I'm doing now yeah. and the processes. What, what do you feel is is the biggest challenge once you've got a book out there in terms of you know make, uh, making people aware of it? I suppose that's this one of the yeah. biggest things I found. I mean, did you find the same types of marketing and stuff? Or yeah, I don't think I really realised that. Um, I guess part of it is mo- lots of writers can be sort of more introverts and not used to sort of selling mm. yourself. So it's a very awkward thing. Like I, w- I want to be proud and I want to share. Like I've made this book, but I also yeah. don't want people to go, "Oh, she's so big-headed." So it's <laughs> it's a very difficult line to strike. Someone gave me some advice once about not feeling like you're promoting yourself, but you're promoting the book. And mm-hmm. that helped because I make lots of resources for the book and share them with teachers. Um, yeah, and share reviews. So I feel like I'm focusing on the work as opposed yeah. to sort of saying, look at me, everybody. That's how I've tried to handle it. But it's interesting that you say that my name keeps popping up because it is, um, yeah, I've not sort of, I found it a hard balance to strike to know how much yeah. I'm getting people's nerves. And how much I should well I I know you don't you you certainly don't get on my nose because I think I look at (laughs) writers like yourself are a real source of inspiration um for people like myself who are still very much you know finding our feet even though it's been a few years and that and I I think the, the 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 writing community that I even though I've not been as active in it in the last couple of years when I was 
it's such a warm community down especially down this way very very supportive of everyone and it's it's not it's so lovely to see some of our own i suppose actually strike this kind of success where you're you're being noticed and i mean go back to we'll talk about we jump forward a little bit to this last weekend um you had something quite exciting going on in exercise tell, pe tell people well i had an invite to exeter cathedral to meet um his Royal Highness Prince of Wales and the Duchess of Cornwall, Camilla, who were doing a tour of Devon and Cornwall. And uh, yeah, it was a, absolutely amazing that somebody thought to invite me. Mm. Um, so I was already on cloud nine thinking that, you know, wow, someone thinks I deserve to represent children's writers of Exeter. And then when I got there, there were only actually a handful of people invited. And I was on the table with Philip Reeve, who wrote Mortal Engines, mm. and, um, and Michael Morpango, nonetheless. And yeah, I just thought, well, hey, I, I, yeah, I was thinking someone's obviously pulled out last minute and they're like, who should we invite? Well, we better we could probably get Claire. <laughs> She'll come along. <laughs> this is it, isn't it? But, you, you, you never give yourself enough credit as a writer, I don't think. And yeah, classic example yeah. there. No, you know, you, you've been put on that, that, that pedestal with some greats there. Yeah, it was absolutely, I mean, I don't, I don't know how it happened. I don't know who nominated me to go or whose idea it was, but it was an absolute wow moment definitely one that will be hard to beat yeah uh yeah an absolutely amazing day it really was i felt That's very cool. proud yeah yeah no it's great it's, it's a funny thing really because um i think my wife saw that they that there was a post went out that, that charles and camilla were down here so i wondered what it was that they were down there for the same day i went along to our local little free library linda's little free library and I got this, well, actually, I, I picked this out. I, I'm not, I would say my kids picked it out, but as soon as I saw it there, I picked it out. <laughs> Aerodynamics of Biscuits. I mean, it, it all kind of came together, and that sort of you know, made me, and when I saw your post go up, that you were there, and Charles and Camilla were there, I was like, it's all kind of come together. I need to get you on, I need to talk to you. It's obviously, you know, planets aligning and that, but Aerodynamics of Biscuits is fantastic I, I, I won't focus on on you know this book in particular because you have done so much worthy to talk about but uh, the title alone grabs any kind of kids i think yeah it's biscuits it's fantastic um you got pirate mice in there you got cheese you got biscuits and it's a perfect combination where do you get inspiration for books like this um i think quite often if i look back at the books that have made it many of them come from titles actually so aerodynamics biscuits was one who is that you was another um yeah quite a lot of them come from phrases that i hear or words that i like the sound of that then i sort of think you know what what, what might that book be about you know where what sort of characters might be in the story where would the conflict be yeah. um you know what kind of story would have you know would it be so yeah, quite often I start off with a, a random idea like Aerodynamics of Biscuits, which I, which I heard on the TV and thought, oh, that's a catchy idea. Um, wrote it down and then thought, what would happen in that story? And when I started out, I was very much thinking of, I really want to surprise people. I don't want anyone to guess the page turn. So what's yeah. the craziest thing I could put in? I know, pirate mice. <laughs> what else can I put in that no one's going to expect? They're going to go to the moon. Um, yeah, so that's my... You, that's was my first ever book that was that was published and like, I didn't plot it out particularly you can probably uh, tell because it's completely quirky and yeah, yeah but my <laughs> kids I mean they're at an age now where the story does need to be quite special to keep them interested they got an attention span it's minute um but they they were fixed 
to this one, which was great. And they love books like this, even though they're they're sort of you know seven coming on eight next year. I thought the picture book phase would pass, but they absolutely love it. And um, you know, ones like this, I mean, I'm certainly going to steer them towards more of yours because you fulfilled probably one of my you know little dreams is to one day go into a shop and see your book on the shelf. I went into Asda in Newton Abbott and I saw your book on the shelf. Oh. You know, so <laughs> It's, oh, it's I mean, what, what is that like when you actually, you know, did, have you, have you sort of, is it surprised you sometimes or have you, are you one of these that goes scouting for it, you know? See well, I always in. go, I always go, if I go to the supermarket, I always look at the book section because I want to see what's there, you mm. know, and I, like, like you've said, you find other people's journeys and stories inspiring. So do I, I feel motivated, you know, mm. if my book's not there, I feel a bit like, right, well, what is there then? You know, what, yeah. who is making it and what they're doing and, and why? And I sort of try and, think oh it's them or it's that kind of book and yeah I just um so I always look anyway but I wasn't expecting I went into Asda and found we um we it wasn't me there and I guess you I always secretly hope that my book might yeah. be there but almost didn't dare to believe and I went and it was there <laughs> and I was on my own and I just wanted oh. to say myself, I wrote that book but I didn't <laughs> oh one of yeah. those moments you, you can't let go by but yeah no you know it's, it's it's another step in that journey that i think we're all kind of striving for and um so let's let's sort of cast a spotlight on on a few of your books um so i'll let i'll let you pick you know if you were to to give the viewers and the listeners a cross section of your work to you know your either your best ones your favorite ones or whatever which which sort of you know two or three would you would you pick and um, why i think one of the, what i love one of the reasons I love writing the most is how varied it can be. So I like writing like the whole spectrum. So the quirky, funny, wacky ones like Aerodynamics of Biscuits, you know, a great escapism, you know, mm. just write, write wacky, you know, yeah. anything goes. And then I also like writing about, I like writing books that I would have used if I was a teacher. So books that I think this would be a great springboard. I can imagine like 10 lessons that would come from this and the children would make these things. And yeah. so I, I like writing books that have facts interwoven. So there's like a new genre of books coming out called narrative nonfiction books. So I like to write books that are doing beautiful storytelling, but about meaningful things. So okay. in September, I have a book coming out called Time to Move South for Winter, which is yeah. about an Arctic turn and she's migrating from the Arctic to the Antarctic. So it's a story and um, you know, it's a story about her journey, mm. but it, there's also facts into it. So it's about real life. So children are also sort of hopefully learning about migration, amazing yeah. animals that are yeah. in our world. Yeah, so and then I do sort of funny ones like that. So like the Lenny the Lemur books, they're about a lemur who's on holiday. Um, mm. He's trying to sleep when a horrible smell was under his nose and he sort of learns about smelly animals. Yeah. Um, in the sequel, he goes to Alaska and slips in something yellow and smelly <laughs> in the snow. And um, again, he finds out lots of interesting facts about we yeah. and Piddle. Um, so yeah. there, are, there, are, there are stories and they're entertaining, hopefully, but there's something more to it than that. Yeah. You, you know, there's, there's, there's facts at the end and you're learning something about the world as well. Yeah. And then at the other extreme end, I like writing lyrical books that, uh, um, that help people through hard times I suppose so okay. I'm a reasonably sensitive emotional per person and I do find writing cathartic and mm. if I'm writing about I'm going through a troubling time I often try and 
put it into a book one way or the other, even if it's not directly about me, it's sure. just like a manifestation of it. So I've written books about dementia for families, um, helping children and families live well with a grandparent or, you know, a family member with, with memory loss. And I've also written a book about living with a, with cancer diagnosis. So not necessarily a book about grief, mm. but how to um, how to come to terms with the unfairness of a diagnosis, really, um, and, and living right. with that uncertainty. And then also, yeah, things like divorce as well. So I write like the hard hitting stuff, yeah. uh, the funny stuff, the imaginative and pretty much everything in between. There's, there's always a message in there. And I'm, I'm pretty sure every writer has a message in their books and that, but I, I, you know, I mean that 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 that's like you say some really powerful stuff, but stuff that you know, I mean, even kids of all ages need to know about. You know, even if it's um, even if you write sort of more towards the the older end of the spectrum, I suppose. Um, is there is there a genre that you or, or a type of book that you haven't yet written that you you do want to have a go at one day? I'm trying to write for the old age group so picture books tend to be three to seven year olds and I would love to write either like a series fiction so like you know like um, less pictures but a few yeah. illustrations in um, I'm actually writing one of those at the moment but I'm also writing a, a middle grade book that would be for eight to twelve which is like a real fantasy gritty you know would be about 50,000 words when complete so I like, I like doing all kinds of things. I would love to succeed in writing something older. It's it's quite tricky from picture books are a completely different skill because you're yeah. writing saying as least as much as possible with the least words. Yeah. And now suddenly I'm having to sort of describe stuff like what people look like <laughs> and you know surroundings, whereas I'm very much led by the action in the picture book. Yeah. So it's a different skill. I'm enjoying the challenge and I hope to one day get there. But I feel like I'm back at square one again. Really, yeah. it's um, it's very tricky. I, I did it the other way around. So I started with horror fiction um, and had about, I think, five books published of that oh, wow. before I decided to go on and, and do a kid's book. Again, inspired by my kids, really. And um, mm. I, I, I think I was inspired to go into the children's direction because I, I was asked quite a, a similar kind of question to that right at the beginning. You know, is there a, is a genre out there that you would like to write? And I thought the, the children's genre to me, even back then, was one of the most challenging ones by the sounds of it, because I always thought your audience of the most honest critics, you mm. can't get anything past kids. They either love it or they hate it, really. There is not much middle ground. Would you agree with that? Would you, would, or or do, you, do you find it easier to write for the kids um, compared to sort of the older? older? Um, I prefer, I, mean, I, I think I find picture books easier than I have than the older age group, but probably that's just because I've been doing it longer and I've, yeah. I came from, I came from a place where I was with kids all the time that were mm. that age. So I was very much inhabiting their world, pretty much being a kid, you know, <laughs> dressing up, you know, and yeah, so it, it, that felt like a natural place for me. As my yeah. own children have got older and I'm reading books with them and, and their interests and needs change. I found myself wanting to write for them and yeah. and their you know their new world and getting sort of equip them with what they need next in the next stage of their life. Yeah. So um yeah I mean I find the picture books hundred times easier than writing something longer, but I think that's probably just because I I started there. Um, I uh, again very similar there to be honest because I, when I when I did my picture books uh, my kids were just on the cusp you know they were enjoying things like Julie Donaldson was one of my biggest influences. Um, and then they went on to Captain Underpants, mm -hmm. those kind of chapter books. So I, mm -hmm. I, I was quite led by, by them. 
Um, yeah. Does your how much of your sort of experiences as a parent through seeing things your kids do you know, make it into your books? Is, is there a connection there? Um, not necessarily just my kids, but kids like mm. general. Like I, I'm inspired by the people who will read the book. So whether that be a class, like yeah. I'm imagining children that I've taught or more my children. I think it's important to keep your whoever your reader is going to be like keep them at the forefront of your mind because yeah. I know there are gatekeepers like agents and editors and publishers and booksellers but ultimately you're writing for a young person so yeah. um yeah I'm inspired by their lives what they want to know what they need hmm. you know in their lives at, at the current times you know yeah. um do yeah you, do you um if <laughs> Thinking back to when you, you started writing that, so you were juggling writing, um, being a teacher, being a parent. If so, if you were to give any advice to someone who who is like that, who wants to start writing, but it's got all that stuff going on, you know, life happens as it does. What would your advice be about how, how to, you know, have you got any, any tips for sort of structuring it or, or anything that you found that works, getting that balance? Um, well, I can tell you how I did it and then tell you what I've learned about what I did. <laughs> Sounds good. So I was working, well, at one point, I was, most, most of the time I was working full-time as a teacher. So I was going to school with my kids in the morning, giving them breakfast really early, getting there for about 7.30, working all day, coming home, putting them to bed, falling asleep because I was knackered from yeah. the day job. And then I was waking up and working on books and then going to sleep about one in the morning <laughs> because I was determined that, you know, I, lo I loved teaching and that was paying the bills, but I was determined not to let the opportunity slip that I sort of had an agent at that point and I wanted to make books and I had all yeah. these ideas and I, I didn't want to not do that um so I was trying to squeeze everything in and I probably did that for two or three years and it just took its toll eventually mm. and um yeah so I had a, a cancer diagnosis in 2019 and obviously it was not caused by me trying no. to scrap writing and teaching in but I don't think it helped you know the lack okay. of sleep the fact that I was always you know always busy not really resting it's difficult because it's what I loved and in many yeah. ways it was like my mindfulness activity because it was time on my own and it's creative and, I, and it was making me happy but I probably needed to balance and um, um, sort of yeah factor in more time for rest and sure. I'm not and then and then I was you know, the, the floors wiped from beneath me with the cancer diagnosis and then once I sort of had gone through treatment and was starting to get my life back in order again I could mm. set it up the way I wanted to with a better balance so yeah. I'm not sure I'd recommend trying to go to the extreme lengths that I did yeah. but if you want it to work you have got to make the time yeah. you know it's not going to just happen you know you have to get up early get up an hour early and set your alarm for six and yeah. do an hour before you get up you know you, if you do want it you'll you'll have to yeah. find the time but just factor in rest when you need it do you find there's a certain time of day that you feel more inspired, you know, to write something? Um, I think because I'm used to being so busy all the time and just grabbing snippets of time when I can, like mm. when kids are asleep or when I'm home from work, I've got used to writing under pressure and just writing when I've got time. Sure. Um, so I, I'm quite good at just going, right, I've got half an hour, what shall I do? Um, yeah. Is there a more creative time when there's no one around? <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't happen very often. I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> Maybe evenings. Yeah. I, mean, I, I tell, my day at the moment because I'm, yeah. I'm not teaching now, so I'm I sort of do creative writing teaching and then yeah. do my own my own books. 
I tend to do like the day job stuff in the day so I do mm. like the priority tasks like critiques or getting getting workshops ready or mentoring in the day and then in the evenings I tend to do my own stuff sure yeah but possibly you, evenings do you um have you found this just questions coming off coming off my head now um the whole sort of you know lockdown and you know past like 16 18 months whatever it's been did that impact your creativity in any way you know either way yeah it was I mean it didn't I still felt like I had ideas and yeah. I still wanted to write them I just had no time there was someone I mean I was shielding there was someone in the house 24 7 yeah. I was going out for like an hour walk a day apart from that I was in the house with two children being homeschooled and the husband yeah. so I mean I I I felt creative. I just had no time at all to myself. We were sharing computers and things, so it wasn't conducive to creativity at all. No, no, it's a bit of a misconception, isn't it? Because they think that a lot of people think people just been sat at home doing nothing, you know, enjoying the sun for the, you know, <laughs> it's it's not been the case for, you know, a lot of people. I don't think. But, um, no, so, it perhaps depends on your family circumstances. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely. I'm sure there have been. I've seen some people out here, and I've heard some of my friends had a great time last year. Well. Anyway, um, <laughs> moving on. Um, so now that obviously the world is, is starting to open up again, I mean, did you have sort of anything that you had to put on hold, sort of appearance-wise, or you know, were you still able to do your teaching and that? I suppose digitally, or, or have you got things that are now starting to take shape again? I had to obviously lots of things went virtual. There were a few. There was an award ceremony that the Tide was nominated for. That was in Dublin, and I was invited to go and do some school visits in Dublin whilst I was there. Like an all oh, a paid oh. trip. Like can you imagine wow. how exciting that would be? And that was obviously all cancelled. <laughs> and it was um it was an online ceremony which we watched on YouTube. So that was a real shame. Yeah. And so and that just continued. So things that were booked were cancelled or went digital. Mm. Um. Uh, things are starting to open up yes so I've got my first got a literary festival booked for Budley Salterton in September and also one in St Ives so fingers crossed they'll happen in person um yeah it's, that'll it's, be nice. it's going in the right way and they're going in the right direction it's just yeah if, if it can continue that be awesome. hopefully yeah yeah. brilliant so and well, the book launches that I've had recently have all been digital which has been actually I mean it's, it's a worrying life. time to bring out books well I think I, was, I had the fear like oh my gosh my book's going to come and go and no one's going to know about it yeah. because I haven't had a book launch but actually I think more people know about it if you do it online because more people can come whereas if that's I'd true. done something in you know in, a, in Exeter or something you know I might have had it might have felt more personal and it would have mm. had you know some some close family and friends there and it would have been a celebration mm. but um the launch we did for Pooh is that uh, so for we it wasn't me was held online by a bookshop so stories by the sea in St Ives hosted the editor came um some people from Macmillan came along and um actually you know I think we had about six 40 to 60 people come so That's you know we'd never have had that that many people coming along so no. it was there were some positives from it yeah do you think you'd, you'd, you'll be inclined to carry on with some of those, some like the, the virtual things or are you just more of an in-person so. person? Yeah. yeah, I think, well, I'm hoping to do some in-person. I probably might try and do both. I mean, yeah. I, when um, Time to Move South for Winter comes out, I'm hoping to do something with Ivorybridge Bookshop, which is, you know, just not so far away from me in person. Mm. Something with children, you know, yeah. some kind of activity and reading with real people. Um <laughs> And then, yeah, but I guess it might be nice. We haven't really 
sort of made any firm plans, but it might be nice to do some kind of evening as well, like a Q&A or yeah. opportunity to ask about the book, meet the illustrator, find out how it was made. Because um, I do like attending those things and hearing yeah. about the stories behind the stories. Yeah. Um, and then you get a really wide, I know, a wide group of people being able to come then if it's virtual. Going on to the illustrating side of it, actually, because you know, it's one thing, I mean, you know, let's be honest, they say don't judge a book by its cover. We all do it. And particularly mm -hmm. with books like this, you know, picture books, of course, it's the first thing that grabs you. Um, how much input have you had with your books? With the Have you been able to, like, you know, pick the illustrators you work with or has it been more the, the publishers that have decided that? And sort of the, the process, how much input have you had apart from giving them the story, you know, in shaping the actual visual side of it? Yeah, so you don't really have a lot to say in terms of which illustrators you work with. You know, that's the publisher's expertise. They've mm. got people that are on their radar, people on their books already that they know they want to work with. And they have a vision for your story about, you know, what it's going to look like, who it will sell best with. And mm. they just know a lot more about it. That's their expertise. So usually you, um, there's like a little, might, might be a, some samples and you might look and say, you know, which ones do you like? And they might commission a a sample from one of the pages of the books mm. or they might just say we're thinking about this person what do you think and that there is a, there is some sort of dialogue but ultimately yeah. it's their decision um and yeah I've been lucky to work with some fantastic illustrators I've never never been disappointed with anything any of them have done I think they're absolutely magical that they yeah. can bring like a rough idea from my head to life in such a fantastic way so talented yeah. um when you write a picture book text, I sometimes write like a little illustration note mm -hmm. um, if there's something specific to the text. Yeah. So, for example, in the tide, um, you know, you don't you don't know that Grandad is um, pouring sand into his hat trying to make a sandcastle. Mm. So I just put, put a little illustration note there. So if there's a particular reason, something that I would like the illustrations to show yeah. that I feel is important, I would put it in sort of italics with brackets. Yeah. Um, otherwise, I let the illustrator work their magic and I just focus on the story, but leaving room for the um, pictures to yeah. sort of bring something. Like yeah. there's, a, there's a really special sort of interplay between picture, with words and pictures in yeah. a picture book. that yeah. really special about, you know, you don't want to read everything that's in the pictures. You, know, no. you want a little bit of magic in between the two, don't you? So yeah. the reader is engaged and it's like an active, active yeah. process for them. Because yeah. again, so visually is important. If, if you give one of these books to a child, you know, at a certain age, yeah, they will be reading the words, but the first thing they'll do is they'll try and figure out what's going on from the picture. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm putting you on the spot a little bit. It might be a bit unfair, really, but out of, out of your books, um, illustration-wise, is there one in particular that stands out where you saw it and you were like, absolutely, this person has crawled inside my head and taken my vision and just put it on the page straight away? Um, but... The first book, Errors and Biscuits, I mean, it's about a boy called Oliver. And so it's my son, he is an Oliver. And it was very much written about him. When I saw the character sample that Sophia had drawn of Oliver, he had this mop of floppy brown hair and he had um, space pyjamas with stars on and a rocket on the front. Right. And pretty much even to the colour of the pyjamas was exactly like my son. Who yeah. I still get the pyjamas because it feels like, you know, they're quite important. Yeah. He, has, he has the big floppy hair. She didn't know any of this, Brilliant. but, you know, She's literally drawn him, you know. So that was that was that was special because I was yeah. prepared to just go with whatever worked, you know, because I yeah. know you've got 
sort of give a bit you know it's not just your story as soon as it gets taken on you you know you're, it's, t- it's teamwork and you're yeah. shaping the best text possible so you can't be too precious about it no. so I was, I was just delighted to see actually how how close it was to to how I'd how I'd envisaged yeah the main oh, yeah. character cool 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 okay, we're, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up in, in a couple of minutes but I'm gonna throw one sort of sort of general sort of quick fire questions a bit cliche but I I, I do like to hear you know where writers go on this so if you had a dinner party and you can invite three writers um who may have influenced you or you just had a burning question to ask you know who who would you have at your table um I I think Julia Donaldson is pretty awesome so I'd probably invite her Absolutely. I mean I've just met Michael Morpurgo and I thought he was a fascinating man and yeah. he was really funny as well and yeah so I would like to have chatted to him more um Maybe Judith Kerr, perhaps. Okay. Yeah. 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 Maybe because I'm in, there's some Tiger that came to tears was probably one of my favourite books. Or the yeah. Alberts. Yeah. I probably would sort of go all nostalgic and pick books that yeah. you know I liked as a child. Why not? Find out. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? That's brilliant. I um a few years ago for the I think it was for the Libraries Unlimited launch where Michael Mapergo was like the guest speaker. I was I've actually managed. Yeah, I was I was got invited along to that which is really cool Amazing. i didn't get to meet him or anything but just kind of being in the room and being able to listen to him was was awesome yeah but yeah he was yeah he's um he's really, he, well, i was quite nervous obviously at the prospect of meeting yeah. you know royalty but he yeah. really put me at ease and uh yeah he was really nice to talk to cool 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 uh, we'll, we'll wrap it up in the um in the best possible way so i'll give you the floor for a couple of minutes you know let people know we've spoken about obviously a few of your books so far but where can people go to find out more about your books order them and also about you follow you on are you on social media where can they find you promote yourself best that you can um uh, well i have a website which i tend to sort of keep updated with books that are coming out or launches or new news um cover reveals and things and my website address is www.clairehelenwelsh.com so that's where you can find um, yeah, more about me and school events, and I also put like a, a count of all the events I've done and I'm doing. So I think mm-hmm. I'm at something like 100, 140 events now, which is <laughs> quite. I'm glad, I, glad I did that because it's quite nice to see where you've yeah. been, and all the all the things that writing has sort of taken me to. Um, and then social media, I'm not. Uh, yeah, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I think the handles for Instagram and Twitter are at Claire Helen Welsh. And I think the pa- Facebook page is called Books by Claire Helen Welsh. Um, yeah, so I guess if you, you can find it, probably quite easy. And yeah, yeah. I try to keep try to keep um, people up to date without without being too pushy, you know, and <laughs> just sharing just sharing things that are exciting for me and hope somebody yeah. else finds it exciting too. That's cool. I'll put all yeah. your links on the on the notes for the video and the the audio as well, so people can uh, direct themselves to you. Listen, Claire, thank you so much for your time. This has been brilliant to be able to speak to you at last. And you know, all the best with everything you've got going on. I'm I'm going to be introducing, like I say, my two to more of your books, and I implore anyone listening or watching this to do the same. So uh, yeah, thank you very much, Claire Helen Welsh. Not at all. It's been a pleasure. And thank you again for inviting me. No problem at all.